Well, good morning, everybody. Wow, that was, that was rousing. That was good. I bet the chill air woke everybody up today. Anybody who is still hanging on to shorts, I think this is officially done now. I think fall is here. For those of you that I may not have met yet, my name is Paul. I'm a member here at Riverside, and um, I'm thankful for those of you that I do know that you haven't bolted for the door. So I'm going to take that as a good first sign that uh, you're excited to be here this morning. Um, seriously, though, I, I really am thankful to be here, and I, I thank Ezra for the opportunity to, uh, to preach in this next section in Colossians. And uh, I'm really excited just to share with you what I've been studying and what God's been revealing to me over these last few weeks. So uh, a question I wanted to ask, I don't know, how many people were here last week for uh, Ezra's sermon? A handful of people. If you weren't, I really encourage you, check it out online. Um, it was just an awesome reminder of the forgiveness that we have in Jesus. When we receive him as our Lord and Savior, um, it really transforms your life. And, and just to be reminded the depth of that forgiveness, it was, it was a great reminder and eye-opener. So I encourage you to check that out. And that's actually where we're going to start today, right on the heels of that, um, in this letter to the Colossians. Paul is sharing the gospel. He's sharing the good news with um, and reminding the Christians there um, of that forgiveness that they have. But what we're going to be reading about today is uh, now a warning. We're going to hear a pretty stern warning from Paul about not getting distracted or dissuaded from living in that truth that we have in the forgiveness of Jesus. Um, he's going to tell us not to get distracted by the judgment of others. And specifically, he's going to use two words that we're going to focus on today. He's going to, to warn the Colossians about not living in what he calls the shadows, but instead focusing on substance. And so we're going to define those things today, and I'm going to title the sermon today, Avoiding Life in the Shadows. Um, and as I said in the first service, I had like a really long, like two-sentence long title. Brian's really good at this, so he told me I could steal his title. It was much better. So thank you again, Brian, for that. So if you're a note taker, the way I'd like to walk through this scripture with you today is with three questions. And the first question is this, what does Paul mean when he talks about the shadows that we experience in this life and where they come from? And then sort of a 1A, what do they look like for us today? And then second, I want to take a look at our tendency. Why are we pulled into these shadows? What causes that? And then finally, how do we avoid living our lives in the shadows and instead living grounded in substance? And if you want to write this down, substance with a big equal signs, Jesus, okay? There's the spoiler alert. Um, that's what we're going to be focusing on today. So three questions. What are the shadows, where they come from, what they look like for us, our tendency to be pulled into them, and then how do we avoid getting uh, sucked into living in those shadows? So, with those questions in mind, let's just bow our heads for a moment and take a, a minute to pray. God, thank you for um, allowing us all to be here today, um, to gather in this place, beautiful, sunny day, um, where we get to study your word. And God, I, I ask that just for each person here, if there's any barrier in our heart or in our mind that would keep us from hearing what you want to say, um, to each one of us today, Lord, that you remove that. And most of all, I just ask that your son Jesus is revealed in a really powerful way, and the truth of who he is 
can transform uh, and does transform the lives of the people uh, here today. And I pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, uh, let's open up. We're in chapter 2, and we're going to be going through verses 16 through 23 today. So we're going to start there. And the Scripture says this, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worshiping of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity of the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. There's a lot there to unpack, and we're going to go through all of that, but where I'd like to start is really what Paul is not saying here, just so we're clear on that. Because I think it can be easy, if you just kind of read through this in a cursory way, to say that, Paul is saying, let's throw out all the rules, right? Don't let anybody judge you for what you're doing, anarchy for all, right? That's not what he's saying. You know, if uh, you take a look at the rest of the letter and, and certainly all of other Paul's letters, and quite frankly, as you're reading through the Bible, we're called as Christians to live a different way. We're called to serve. We're called to love. We're called to, you know, give mercy, um, to give forgiveness. So it's not that Paul's saying there aren't sort of some rules and guidelines that we should follow, uh, certainly, especially after we're, our motivation is coming from being saved in Christ. So if that's not what he's saying, what exactly is he talking about? Well, let's start at the very beginning of the passage. And I've been learning this. The more I'm studying the Bible, I, I'm always looking for these connector words, right? And we have one that starts off this passage, therefore. And whenever you see that, that basically tells you that whatever's coming next is going to be linked directly to what came before it. So we need some context about what Paul is saying in this section of Scripture. So I'm going to take just a quick second to look back at what, what Ezra talked to us about last week. And in that portion of the letter, Paul is reminding the Colossians about the truth of who they are in Christ. He, he calls out a couple things specifically. They were spiritually dead because of their sin, that they have believed in faith, they have faith, that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, that that sin has been canceled out, it's been wiped away, that God's law has been fulfilled, and that Jesus is sufficient for their salvation and for their spiritual fulfillment. Now, in short, he's saying they've been saved, they're free, they no longer belong to this world. So that's the context that we have. So now he's giving us this warning. And if they're really living in faith and they believe who Jesus is, why is Paul feeling like he still needs to give them this warning? You know, they don't belong to this world anymore. Well, Paul knows the reality is they still live in the world, just as we do, right? They're surrounded by 
people who are telling them that you need more than Jesus, right? That you need Jesus plus. So what Paul's doing is saying, you need to be on the lookout for these people. You need to be on the lookout for these shadows, is what he calls them, and not be lured into them. And that takes us to our first question. What exactly does Paul mean when he's talking about the shadows? Well, if you could take a look back in verse 16. Um, Paul mentions a, very, uh, a few very specific things here. Uh, he pulls out food and drink, uh, festivals, the new moon, and the Sabbath. And he has a few other things. We'll hit those in a minute. But he's calling those out specifically that, that these false teachers are, are judging uh, the, the people, um, uh, the Colossians, on not living out their faith because they're not doing these things. But let's take a look at what these things really are. What Paul's referring back to here is God's law. It's what God gave his people in the Old Testament, uh, along with festivals and observances um, that the Jewish people followed. And the point of these things was exactly that. They were pointing, right? They were pointing people to God. They were also setting them apart from other people. You know, they were doing things that were different than the rest of the world. And God didn't give them these laws and these festivals because they deserved it. He did it out of love because he chose them. It wasn't anything that they brought to the table. So maybe think of it this way. The festivals were a way of us, uh, for them, uh, to thank and honor and love God. And the law was a way to show them how holy God is. And it also gave a pretty bright spotlight on how sinful they were and, and shows us our sinfulness too. And with that, there's a pretty big gap between God's holiness and our sinfulness that we can't bridge. We, we need help. We need a Savior that's going to bridge that gap. So do you see a common theme here? The law, these festivals... They were all meant to point people to God and his promises, to point us towards Jesus, but they were only a shadow of what was to come. They were never meant to be the ends. They were a hint of the substance of Jesus. Now, in verse 18, Paul mentions two other things. Uh, he mentions uh, something called asceticism and the worshiping of angels. Um, I had to look up asceticism. So here's the, uh, here's the, the definition of that. It's the doctrine that a person can attain a high spiritual or moral state by practicing rigorous self-denial and extreme abstinence. So what these false teachers were doing, they were pointing back to the old law, and they were pointing to this, you know, you must fast, you must do these very extreme things, or you have to go to angels to, to be able to talk to God, to be able to be saved or to, to get that ultimate spiritual um, fulfillment that they were looking for. You know, as I said, there, there really it was a Jesus plus. He's a good start, but you really need to add these things in. Well, the entire Bible tells us that's not true. There is no Jesus plus. There is Jesus. That's it. But as I was thinking through this, I'm wondering, you know, Paul describes these people as having faith. They believed in Jesus. They knew the truth. But why were they finding these shadows alluring to them? 
Well, as I read back through the list, I, I, I think it's kind of easy to see. Some of them were good things, and some of them kind of sounded like they made sense. It wasn't like they were saying, let's go kill all these people plus Jesus, right? It wasn't anything that was like drastically wrong. They were saying some things that, that kind of clicked with people. Except for one. I'll discount that one. Um, we know we're not to worship angels. It says it very clearly in Luke uh, 4.8. Uh, Jesus himself says that you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So that one out the window. But think about some of these other things that, that they're mentioning here. Even Paul says that some of them have an appearance of wisdom. You know, God's laws are a good thing. You know, even the festival observances, when we're focusing, when they turn our attention from what we're doing every day and focus us on the Lord, that's a good thing. You know, being disciplined is a good thing. Abstaining from certain things can be good. The problem came when the Colossians started looking at all these good things as the substance. They were looking at them as being the end, not something that was pointing them to someone else. I look at it this way. It, it, they, were being, they were falling into a trap because they were uh, pursuing the rules and rituals as their end goal. Now, we face the same things today. You know, we may call the shadows different things. Um, we may not use the same language of you know, salvation or spiritual fulfillment. We kinda, our culture kind of pushes that away. But what are we all trying to do? We're trying to be all that we can be. We're trying to achieve a certain state. Right? We, it's the same thing. We're just couching it in different language. And so in some form or another, we find ourselves pulled sometimes into these shadows because we're, we're trying to achieve that state. But Paul tells us very clearly here in verse 23, these shadows, these, these rules and ritual, rituals, they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. The shadows have no ultimate power to change our sinful nature. That's what he's talking about there. Or to give us any ultimate fulfillment. Only Jesus can do that. Now you might think, you know, that's okay, that, that can be an issue for non-believers. But if you're following Jesus, we, we don't necessarily have to worry about this. But again, think about who Paul's writing to. He's writing to believers. You know, they have faith. But there's something here that's still pulling them in. And, and what can that look like? You know, we can work really hard. We could be believers. We could work hard. Maybe we're serving in a ministry. Uh, you know, maybe we're, we're, we're praying. We're attending church. We're, we're uh, participating in the Lord's Supper. All these are good things. The problem comes is when we lose sight of what those good things are meant to be for us. They're meant to point us to Christ. When they become the ends themselves, we start looking an awful lot like the older brother from the prodigal son story, right? What did he do? He was doing all the things not because he wanted a relationship with the Father, it's because he wanted his checklist, right? I'm stacking up my good deeds. So now that we've answered that question, hopefully, to some degree about what the shadows are, where they come from, and some of the dangers they pose, I want to take a little bit deeper dive into that tendency. Why are we so pulled into that? You know, we talked a little bit about it. Some of it just sort of sounded like maybe it makes sense, right? This question was really bugging me, though. And as I was studying, I, I read some commentaries and looking at other scripture, and there was one thing that really just jumped out at me, and it was this. Like, why do we have that tendency? It's because we want to be the rulers of our own lives. 
we want to be in control. We don't like it when we're not. You know, I think we gravitate to the shadows of the world. Again, think of these rules, these rituals, schools of thought, whatever you want to call it, because it, it gives us a sense of control. We can choose to follow or not follow, right? We can measure ourselves. Um, it gives us a chance to compare. We all love to compare. Any checklist people in the room? Anybody? Kelly, thank you. You didn't raise your hand, but you're a checklist person? Okay. Okay right? There's a sense of accomplishment with that, right? I love writing lists. I have lists all over the house. Drives Bridget crazy. But it gives me a sense of control, right? I can go through, oh, I did this. I did this. I did this. Problem comes when we start applying that to our spiritual life. We get off course really quickly. We've lost focus. We've been pulled into the shadows. I know this is an old reference at this point, but when The Matrix came out almost 20 years ago, anybody else love that movie when it came out? All right, a couple people, right? It was awesome, right? They're doing flips, they're running up walls, they're dodging bullets, you know, that you can download Kung Fu in like a second. I mean, anybody, can, that's, that's fantastic, right? But when I thought about what I really liked about that movie and why I think it resonated with so many people, I mean, the special effects were awesome. We've never seen anything like that. But the crux of the movie is this, is that the main character, Neo, the whole thought is that he can have ultimate control over his life, right? He's fighting against these machines. He can rewrite the world the way he wants to see it. And when I think about it, I think that, and there's so many other cultural references like that, um, but it feeds right into what I think each of us, maybe secretly, maybe not so secretly, are looking to do, and that's to have control over our own lives. We're looking for any other path or anything that we can grab onto that's going to let us have some determination about where we're going. Now, I think this control shows up for each of us in different ways, and there were a couple that, that came to mind. So um, maybe you're the person, sort of like the false teachers who uh, Paul was railing against here. These were people who um, were putting themselves in positions of power. Paul describes them as puffed up without reason by their sensuous minds. You know, they were positioning themselves as having knowledge, uh, of having something that other people needed in order to get the fulfillment that they were seeking. There's a number of things wrong with what they were doing, but Paul points out one thing in particular in verse 19, and, and if you have a pen, underline this. I think this is such a key verse. He says, they are not holding fast to the head. And what does he mean by that? They were living disconnected from God, and therefore they were disconnected from the truth. Anything that they were trying to do was man-made. It was an illusion. It was a shadow of control and power. It wasn't real because they weren't connected to where the real power lives. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're a believer, and you've been following Christ but sometimes that path he asked us to walk is not always easy. You know, he told us to pick up our cross. Sometimes our lives following Christ involve pain and they involve suffering. And we don't necessarily like that. It can be really hard. 
And I'm looking around the faces in this room. I think all of us have had, you know, times of that where we're following the Lord. And he's asking us to go down a road and we see where it's headed. And we'd rather say, you know what, God, I'd like to take, I'm going to go to this rest stop for a couple minutes. I'm going to grab some Starbucks, maybe a sandwich. I'll meet you on the exit ramp on the other side. We'll just bypass. I'm still with you, but we'll maybe just avoid that at the moment, right? That's us trying to take control. It's us saying to God that, you know what, I think I know a little bit better than you do here. And sometimes it's out of fear. Sometimes it's out of, I just don't want to go through that pain. We don't necessarily like the idea that God uses suffering to remove and cut away things that need to be removed and cut away from us. So sometimes we look for control in that way. Maybe another way, maybe you're here and you're sort of kicking the tires on this whole Jesus thing. Like, who is he? You know, you're coming to church. You're not, what is this all about? And maybe the control issue that you're having is, how is it possible that my sins can be forgiven and I don't have to do anything to earn it? This whole free gift thing, is that how, there's a God who loves me so much that his only son came down, took the penalty of my sins, died for my sins so that I could be forgiven and I don't have to have a checklist of all the things that I've done right to to earn it. It's just a free gift. It, It doesn't compute, right? Nothing else on this planet works that way. But God works this way. It's what we talk about with the whole idea of the scandal of grace, right? It's kind of offensive. We want to have control. We want to have a say in our salvation. We want to have a say in where we're headed. For me, this is where my control issue really sat for a long, long time. Um, You know, I was a good person. Studied hard. I worked hard. I was generally nice to people. I'd open doors for little old ladies, you know, and help them across the street, all that good stuff, right? Um, I was a good manager. I treated my people well. I supported them. I gave them the things they needed. I provided for my family. You know, I played with the kids. I was doing all these things, all good things, right? The problem was my motivation was disconnected from Jesus. My motivation was grounded in the shadows. It was all surface. You know, in my heart, when I think back on it now, it was dark and it was selfish. And I don't even know that I was consciously thinking about it at the time, but what I was doing was getting my real giant checklist, right? I was stacking up my good deeds. Look at them over here. Ultimately, I wanted God to owe me something. I wanted to be able to go to him with my resume and say, hey, you got to let me in, right? You, you need... I wanted to try to control that situation. It was a shadow, to say the least. Um, it still it makes me smile thinking about God's mercy. I don't know why. I love him for it. But he shook me out of what I thought was my reality and showed me what the true reality is. It's who God is. It's who I am in him. You know, I've told this story to some of you uh, God broke through to me as I was scrubbing a toilet. I was in our bathroom, I'm, you know, cleaning, and I had a sermon on, and I was listening to it, and it hit me for the first time. I'd heard it before, but it really hit me. Jesus died for my sins. 
You know, he paid the penalty for me. And for the first time, I really realized I owe him everything and that he, not me, is in control. For me, that was the day that started me on the path where I've shifted my focus from shadows to substance. You know, I went from looking at rules and rituals for salvation and spiritual fulfillment and instead started relying on a relationship with Jesus. You know, when we seek to be in control, what we're trying to do is we're trying to push Jesus off the throne. We've, we've, we've used this example so many times. And we think we can. We can't. He's not moving. It's an illusion. It's a shadow to think that we actually have control and can make that happen. And when we do that, it's almost like a black hole. We're being sucked into the shadows and moving away from the substance of Jesus when we allow that to happen. So what I'd like to do next, so now we've looked at what the shadows are and why we have that tendency to be pulled into them. Hopefully you're thinking to yourself now, I don't want to be pulled into those shadows. How do I, how do I avoid that? Well, that's the last question that we wanted to answer today. How, instead of living in those shadows, can we be grounded in substance, in Jesus, what is real? Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, the answer is the same thing. And we get some more insights in this uh, back in the Scripture. If you want to take a, ba- a look back at verse 19, when he was calling out the false teachers for the mistake that they were making, uh, he said this. Remember, we said they were not holding fast to the head. Right? They were disconnected from Jesus. So how do we avoid falling into that same trap? Well, we need to be connected to Jesus. You might be saying, that sounds awesome. How do I get there, right? Or maybe you're saying, I've been there, but I'm tired of the roller coaster. One day I'm connected, one day I'm not, right? Maybe for me, it's minute to minute sometimes, right? Of how, yep, I'm with you, and oh, now I'm following my own path again, right? Well, the answer is what Paul has been pointing out in this entire section of Scripture. We need a relationship with Jesus, not a set of rules, not a bunch of rituals. The relationship is the key. And how do we get that? There's a couple things that we can do. First is, if you haven't already, you need to receive salvation. You can't be connected to Jesus without it. Everyone here at some point needs to, in your heart, genuinely repent of your sin and ask Jesus to come in and take control, to remove the shadows and become the substance on what your life is built on. You need to ask Jesus to come in and be your Savior and your Lord. And if you haven't done that, you can do it right now. You can do it right now in your seat if you've never done that before, and I encourage you, take the opportunity now. You know, Paul says in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No rules, no rituals, believing in faith in that relationship with Jesus. If you find yourself there today, I encourage you, connect with somebody. Connect with Ezra. I'd be happy to talk to you. Brian's in the back. Connect with the person that you came with or is sitting next to you. 
let us help you and, 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 and build you up in this decision that you're making to follow Jesus. So now that you have that relationship with Jesus, what do you do next? Well, one of the other great things to do, and I don't know if I emphasized this enough in the, in the first service, pray. You can talk to God. You know, one of the things that they were pointing back to is, oh, you have to talk to angels and then they're going to wrap up your prayer in this little neat little package and give it to God and then you can wait for him to come back. We have direct access. It's so awesome to think about that. Creator of the universe, we can talk to him and he wants to hear from us and he listens. That's what a relationship is. It's communication. It's not saying the same prayer over and over and over again. It's talking to God. He knows what's on your heart. Share it with him. You know, I think another key thing is to build that relationship, you've got to be in the Bible daily. Study it. Memorize it. Dissect it. Write notes in it, right? God wrote a book and he revealed himself in it. And if you spend time in this and you pray about what you're reading and you ask for the Holy Spirit to help you and interpret and understand, it will help transform your life. If you want to have a relationship with someone, you need to know who they are and what they're about. This is where we get it. Not the shadows of the world. The last thing I want to mention to you is get connected to God's community of believers the church. Now here's what I don't mean. I don't mean this building. And I don't mean a Sunday service or a set of religious rituals that you follow. I'm talking about a connection to the, the people that God has called to himself. Talk to the person sitting next to you. Um, come a couple minutes early, grab some coffee, a donut, strike up a conversation with other people who are searching out Jesus and are trying to build their relationship with Jesus. Attend a small group. We have people in our church and in our communities, excuse me, all throughout the week, sitting down, reading scripture, supporting each other, you know, helping each other grow in our faith. We were talking earlier after the last service, I think sometimes the tendency is like, okay, I know Jesus I'm good with that. I have my faith. I can pray to him. I don't need to be connected. It's not what the Bible tells us. We're a church family. We're his body. And you need to be connected. That helps us grow in our relationship with Jesus. Now, I like what Paul says in verse 19. I'm kind of paraphrasing it here. When we're connected with the body of Christ, we're nourished and knitted together with a growth that comes from God. That's some cool language. That's integrated, right? We're, we're meant to be supporting each other in the body of Christ. And I want to end with this thought. When you're grounded in the substance of Jesus, you will be able to avoid living in the shadows. But remember this, rules and rituals do not change your heart. They do not save you. They do not give you spiritual fulfillment. Only a relationship with Jesus will do that for you. Let's take a minute and pray.